Hello, and welcome to episode number 155 of the DBSA podcast. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and with me today is a reader, a romance reader, named Tina Cheney. We're continuing our series of reader interviews, and Tina and I talk at length about being a romance fan, reader shaming, her favorite romances and mysteries, things about romantic suspense that kind of drive her nuts, and we start by talking about southern accents because that has everything to do with everything else, of course, right? Of course it does. This podcast is brought to you by Intermix, publisher of Here Comes Trouble, Anna J. Stewart's captivating new romance starring the troublesome Tremaine family. Download that on August 18th. And if you like reading the podcast instead of listening, that's totally cool. Our transcripts are created by hand by Garlic Knitter. And this week's transcript is sponsored by Free Tutorial. Free Tutorial is a free and global meeting place for readers and writers from all over the planet. Free Tutorial is a publisher and a library. And they invite you to download and read some of your favorite public domain books and articles for free. They also invite you to check out their long short story contest going on now. There is lots to discover at Free Tutorial. Our music is provided by Sassy Outwater. I will have information at the end of the podcast as to who this is. Plus, I have to warn you, there are a lot of book recommendations in this episode. I'm sorry. Well, if you don't like it, then I'm sorry. And if you do like it, then I'm really happy that you're pleased. But either way, if you're curious about a book we mentioned during the podcast, there will be links to each book in the podcast entry, known by those who have much more podcasting experience than me as the show notes. I'm still arguing, by the way, with my husband that outro is a word. He says it's not, but that's what it's called at the end when I talk and tell you things. That's called the outro. Still doesn't believe me that it's a word. Either way, this is the end of the intro. And it's now time for the podcast. My entire life, you don't sound like you come from Kentucky. Well, obviously, you haven't t- spoken to me when I'm tired. Yeah, or mad. Mad. Well, no, for me, it's tired uh, drinking <laughs> <laughs> or around anybody with a really, really heavy Kentucky accent. Yeah. Because I can slip into it. Oh, yeah. And it's a totally different Southern accent than it's completely different. other yeah. parts of the South. Like, even different parts of South Carolina are different to my ears. Yeah, that's that's what makes it funny. You can always tell when somebody's fake. Well, almost always tell when someone's faking it because they rarely get it right. Nope, they start mixing them up. Yeah, it's like uh, True Blood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not not one single hell half of them weren't even American. No. Not one single one of them came from the South. No. <laughs> and they didn't get the accent right at all. And everybody was doing their own version of a Southern accent. I mean, you get used to it after a while, but it was all so very wrong. Oh, yeah. It was all over the place. Yeah. yeah. So would you please introduce yourself and tell the people who will be listening who you are and where you live and how long you've been reading romance? Super easy Uh, question. Okay. Uh, I'm Tina Cheney. I live in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, the one place that everybody flies over or, you know, goes, oh, yeah, that's that place where that idiot comes from. (laughs) Seems like anytime anybody ever makes any sort of national news being from Kentucky, um, it's always things like what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except for like George Clooney, which people forget he's from here. Uh, Johnny Depp is from here. Isn't uh, Je- uh, Jennifer Lawrence from Jennifer Louisville? Lawrence. She's from Louisville, right? She's from Louisville. You were close. It's not Louisville. It's Louisville. Louisville. <laughs> Lou- I, there's a, I always put the third syllable in and there's only two. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's not Louisville. It's Louisville. Louisville. Louisville, yeah. Louisville, Louisville. Um, let's see, who else? Oh, um, also the kid that is also in that movie with her. Um, Peter. The he's the one who plays Peter. Yeah, he's actually from Owensboro or something like that. It's funny because what are you the- doing down there in Kentucky making all these movie stars? You notice they all leave. <laughs> Uh, the one that actually I thought was weird, oh, the girl from the Pussycat Dolls, the one that was a, a judge on um, that. Um, Nicole Sch- Scherzinger? Yeah, yeah. She lived in Louisville for a really long time. Either Louisville or, I think it was Louisville, yeah. I was like, are you kidding? Really? Part of her family is from Hawaii and part of her family is from Louisville. Because I was like, Well, really? those two things go together. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's 
first thing you think of, obviously. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, so I'm from Kentucky, and I have been reading romance. God, for how long? Um, that's a question. Because you, you, I saw that you said you were going to ask me about this. Like, who introduced me to to um, to romance? Yeah. Right. And the thing is, is that no one really like specifically. My stepmother did, but kind of accidentally. See, here in town, and they don't have it anymore, but we used to have one of those bookstores where it's like a used bookstore, and you walk in, and, and you can't find anything if you're looking for it on purpose. Yep, it's, it's just, just shelves. It's yep. everywhere and shelves, yeah. And uh, we used to go to that on a regular basis, and I would get comic books, and my stepmother would get these brown paper bags full of books that I was, quote, not allowed to read. Yeah. <laughs> That always and, works really well. I guarantee you someone right now, at least 10 people are nodding like, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, never yeah. works. Was always, I wasn't even allowed to look at them, let alone read them, nope. which made me it just so very interested to find out what could possibly be in that brown paper bag. Well, yeah, the minute you tell somebody you're not supposed to read it, it's like, well, well, now I'm going to have to. Right. So I would have been nine or 10. Ooh. And I tell people that I grew up feral. Because it was, yeah, I, I, because my, my, I was, well, I grew up in the seventies, which you're kind of young, but I grew, I grew up in up, the seventies. I was born in the mid seventies. Yes. But I was born in the mid sixties. So I okay. grew up in the seventies. I was six years old in 72. Okay. So okay. Um, back then latchkey kids was not uncommon. Yep. And I would have big, long stretches of my day, especially in the summer, when there was no one in the house, except for me and my stepsisters that <laughs> I was supposed to be in charge of. And so, <laughs> and she would take these books and put them in a brown paper bag and then put them in her bedroom and lock the bedroom door. And being the larcenous little bright 10-year-old that I was, I figured out how to pop that lock within a day. Well, of course. <laughs> so I would go in there and raid her books. And I knew when she would be home pretty much within a 10-minute period. And I would read all day all these books I wasn't allowed to read, like Rose, Rosemary Rogers. It's a wonder that. <laughs> Whoa, that is a that is a big place to start, yo. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I was thinking about it. Um, in fact, I have a quote that I wanted to talk to you about actually, but about how uh, you come to books when you're ready for them. Yep. And I was like, well, I was reading John Updike when I was 11 or 12. So, and I don't read any kind of literary fiction anymore because all those people are miserable. But <laughs> I mean, apparently, you can't, it's not literary unless everybody either sucks, they're miserable, they die. It, it, yeah, it's not fun. So, but yeah, I was reading all that back then. So it wasn't that weird to me to be reading Rosemary Rogers at 10. Yeah, I think it was like 10. So anyway, yeah, so, but that would be my sort of accidental introduction to it, simply by the fact that they put it in a brown paper bag, so I had to know what it was, and whatever else you might say about Rosemary Rogers, the woman writes an engrossing tale. <laughs> oh, she, she writes like uh, crack. It's, it's funny, because these days, those are the books I would literally toss across a room, but. At the time, they were heck. so compelling. Oh my God! Yeah, do do you remember what was that one about? Um, oh, they made a TV series with Lindsay Wagner, like a mini series, and oh, who was that? She used to write these crack books. She had a twin sister, and her twin sister like lived in a home, and she thought her twin sister was dead, and her stepbrother rapes her at some point. And God, what was that thing? Anyway, yeah, I read all of those back in. I was ten, eleven, twelve. It was. Yep. Yeah. But anyway, um, Daisy, was it called Daisy? It might have been. Does that sound familiar to you, Daisy? See, now I'm so tempted to look it up on Google. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, um, yeah, my actual on purpose reading um, romances on purpose, strangely enough, were Harlequins, which were extremely tame. And um, some book called Christie, which was on, on the bookshelf in my church. So it had to be religious. Of course. But it was a romance, but I'll, I could take that one home and nobody would say anything. But the um, the uh, Harlequins, actually, my I was 13 and my best friend was 16, and she used to bring them to church. And we'd sit in the back row and read them instead of listening. To, it was a lot more interesting than the sermon, and we would just very quietly read the pages together and then yeah. see who, you know, and then flip to the next one, yeah. So 
the thing I like about, you know, when you when you discover this super purple prose romances at a young age. Yeah. Is it if you don't understand the sex scenes, it's okay because they don't make a whole lot of sense anyway. That's true. They yeah, just I, flew right over that, your head. I knew something, some bad things were happening. Something but the was cresting. Was there was some waves. There's waves. There's <laughs> crashing. There's, uh, God, that's where all those stupid metaphors came from, right? Oh, yeah. All the purple ones. Love. Love. Can, I don't even remember now. It was just, I Love's know they were... blazing passionate inferno of love. Yeah. <laughs> I, the one that I remember distinctly, and I can't remember the name of the book, but the, it was something to do with pirates. Oh, well, there was a lot of those, but yes. It was a Rosemary Rogers, and it was pirates, and, and there was a ship and some humongous dress. Very tiny girl, great big dress. Well, always. And um, it's, it's, like, it's like dystopian YA, where they're all going to the prom. You've yeah. got to have a big dress. Big dress, it just doesn't matter what genre. You just need the big yeah. dress. Big dress all the way. <laughs> I vaguely remember one, and it wasn't a Rosemary Rogers, but she it was like an antebellum one, and she was like the favored daughter of the plantation owner, and then he <laughs> dies, and then that's when it comes out that she's actually like the love child of of the her dad and some slave woman. She just happened to be really light-skinned, but now that it's come out, her evil stepsister, of course, tells everybody, and she gets sold into slavery. Yeah. I remember, and I can't even, I, you know what, that would be a, a help a bitch out. I don't necessarily want to read it again, but now I really want to. <laughs> you want to know what the hell book was that? How did I read it? <laughs> that sounds like what we'd have to give to redheaded girls. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I would hear her head explode from where I am and she's in Boston. I think that you and I both would feel the <laughs> of her head if she read that. I don't suppose that sounds familiar, but that was actually, God. Could that have been a Catherine Coulter? That was, yeah. Selling was into old... slavery? Yeah, she gets sold into slavery. And, of course, she gets bought by the handsome guy who doesn't really want to treat her badly, but wants to sleep with her. <laughs> you know, I read a lot of Coulter, and that's not ringing a bell. But I bet at three in the morning I'll be like, I remember which one it is. It's not necessarily Coulter, because I think maybe Coulter is after all that. Yeah. Anyway, those early 70s books, I mean, God, everybody was getting raped and passed around, and they usually made these journeys around the damn world. Oh, yeah. How far they traveled. Oh, yeah. I think, <laughs> uh, I think, uh, Redheaded Girl calls them fucking through history. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are at a large historical event. Let's have sex somewhere around it. All right, yeah. next one. Yeah, oh, you're signing the Magna Carta. Okay, don't move. Oh, we'll be right back. Well, you know, that's just like uh, when they try to combine romantic suspense with erotica. And it's like, oh, the serial killer is, is outside the house. Let's bang on the stairs. Yes. Like, really? <laughs> They're chasing us. They're chasing us right now. I've never been so hot for you. No. Elise calls it danger boner, and it is the perfect term for it. Because, like, come on, that doesn't actually happen. I mean, I get that danger, you know, you want to procreate because you almost died, but you should at least get through the part where you don't die first. Right. Get away from the bad guys at least a half an hour, you know. Outside the door. No. Because <laughs> that, that drives me crazy. Danger too. boner is a problem. Yeah, that one, that one kills me. <laughs> so what are some of your absolute favorite romance novels that if someone was like, okay, what do you like? What should I read? Who or what novels are your absolute favorites? All right. I had a, one of my former bosses. Um, she was going away on a like really long vacation, like three weeks or something. Woo um, oh, yeah, she was. It was great. That was their anniversary trip. They went to Hawaii. It was a big deal. But she was like, so I need to take books. And I'm like, well, what kind of books? Because I have a bazillion books. And she goes, well, I want something kind of lighthearted that, that is fun. And I was like, okay, how do you feel about romance? And she goes, I can do romance. Now, mind you, this is my boss. So I didn't want to freak her out. Right? No, you don't want to be like, all right, well, this one involves multiple partners. and Yeah, anal sex. How do you feel about that? Yeah, <laughs> ha little little anal discussion in the office. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, there, I mean, there's just certain things your boss doesn't need to know about you. So, so what did I, I ended up giving her Agnes and the Hitman because I love that book. That is one of my favorites. I was not crazy about all of the 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 ones written with with Bob Mayer. But that one was so good. That one was just wonderful. I, I just 
I like that she was violent and she hit people with a frying pan and she cooked for them too. Anger management or something. Yes, (laughs) she was mad. And the and the hitman was just a very chill, and she's the one who's like killing people with a pan. Yeah, I know. I love that. It was and it was funny. And I gave her the one and my brain. Oh, Phillips. Is that a last name? Susan Elizabeth Phillips? Yes. Susan Elizabeth Phillips. The one that starts out, it's the football one that starts out with, she's walking down the street in a beaver costume. Yes, yes, yes. This is a very... (laughs) That was the, I love that opening. And I gave her the one, um, God, completely different one. And now, of course, my brain is... But it's very, it's set kind of in a Victorian time. And uh, she, he's like an investigator type guy and she they meet over the body of her dead husband best opening line ever that she met nicholas something oh that's um that's um oh my god i I just put the only one (laughs) what is okay whatever is in your brain just went to my brain because i actually know this person and i I talk to her and i can see her face and i can her her name just flew out opening lines to any book ever that she met she met nicholas whatever his last name is over the body of her dead husband well actually he really wasn't quite dead yet or something he wasn't quite dead yet oh my god um oh geez uh it's um silent in the grave is the name of the book and it's uh deanna rayborn oh my god deanna i'm really sorry wow (laughs) I, I'm I'm actually amazed that I came up with the title because uh, I'm not good like, at that. I could see the cover, but I couldn't see the title because the cover's got that kind of sort of um, not castle, but like a almost like a chapel or something. Yeah. Yeah. Silent in the grave. But that is one of my favorite opening lines ever. And it then, is a really really good series too. It's a good series, but I, I love that book best out of all of them. And that is my favorite opening line pretty much to any book ever. Because it, it tells you what the story is going to be about. It introduces both of them and it kind of sets the tone. It is one of the best opening lines I think anybody's ever pulled off. It's true. I'm with you there 100%. Um, oh, and on a different end, I love Lori Armstrong. Not the, not the uh, erotic cowboy ones, but she's got a series called like mercy kills or something like that it's a series of five books and it's not the mercy one it's the ones right before it but they're mostly they're mostly suspense they're mostly like crime novels but along the way the um hero the heroine gets involved with this guy who's like the leader of a local biker gang because in the first book it seems like he's the one that might be the killer but of course he's not right and and they like they just gradually sort of work work it out and like work their way through this relationship because they're on two ends of the spectrum and yet they're kind of perfect for each other so by the time you get to the last couple of books they're actually together and uh he's not quite as bad as you thought he was in the first book and she's not quite as good as she wants to be so they kind of meet in the middle yep she has two series, Lori Armstrong. She has the Mercy Gunderson series, and then she has the Julie Collins series. Julie Collins series. The Julie Collins series. Love that one. I've read the Mercy Gunderson one, but I like the Julie Con- uh, Collins one better. So do you like mysteries with your romance as long as there's not Danger Boner? Uh, yeah. Well, I was. the thing is, is that I think the one thing that actually ties everything I read together is that there is almost always either some sort of suspense or mystery. Yep. Whether it's urban fantasy there's almost always suspense or some sort of mystery going on because you they, usually each one i mean like if you look at um um alona andrews uh that whole like magic uh, what is it magic kills and all that mm-hmm. um if you look at that series every book you've got an over arc overreaching arc but everyone has got an individual sort of mystery going on of course um, I, I like the fantasy element but i also like the the mystery and i you know the same with um I like romantic suspense. My problem is the thing that just drives me crazy other than the danger boner is, <laughs> is if for some reason they're standing over a dead body thinking how hot the other person is, <laughs> I'm, I'm done. 
I don't care how jaded you are, if you're standing over a recently murdered body thinking how hot that other person, you're sick and there's something wrong with you and I don't want to hang out with you. So, <laughs> I can only think that it's because whoever's writing that hasn't actually stopped to think about what would actually be confronting these people. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, oh, it's a dead person, but it's a really erotic-looking dead person. No, it's always something like, "Oh, it's a dead person, but they're not personally connected to me." Oh, look how hot that person is, who's also standing there. It's like, and you know, I'm so blasé about that. Well, as long as it wasn't my cousin. Yeah. No, I. No. <laughs> Just no. And I, you see that. I mean, and I read that and I'm like, are you kidding me? What is wrong with you? <laughs> so, yeah, don't like the danger boner. And I don't like the, the any sort of, I, I have absolutely no idea who killed this person. They've been horribly murdered. I was briefly, I was briefly upset by it, but damn, you're hot. That just kills me. Yeah, erotic eye fucking over a dead body is just not good. No, no. And it turns up more than you would think. I mean, bad, you would think bad fan fiction, which I've seen there, but I've actually seen it in books that have gotten published on Amazon. And I don't know if they were published by the author or actually somebody went, yeah, that works. And a publishing house published it. I don't know. Wow. That's I, I actually up. got a free book from Amazon, got that far in there, and I went, oh, hell's to the night. So, <laughs> <laughs> Not even the fact that this is free will compel me forward. Oh, my God. I, I I don't tend to write reviews on Amazon lots because mostly I've got other things I'd rather be doing. Or I haven't finished the book yet when they send me the little thing. Yeah. But I actually went out of my way to write a review on Amazon. Oh. A book I didn't finish because this upset me so much. <laughs> <laughs> So aside from less danger boner and no hot eye fucking over dead bodies, what are some things that you really like and want more of in the books that you read? Like if you're looking for books, what are the things you're looking for? Because I know you like suspense or a like thriller suspense. or a mystery and you like contemporary. Well, I like urban fantasy actually. Ooh. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm the two, my two big genres are urban fantasy like Alana Andrews or um, Patricia Briggs. I love her. She's so talented. Everything she writes is good. Patricia Briggs, I've never read a book from her that was bad. Um, and I, I like, uh, like I said, romantic suspense. And um, But I was thinking about, like, all right, right now I'm enjoying the series. And I even wrote it down because I am on, I'm on book two, but I've actually read three books. Because the first one I got, I read, I, I think I clicked a link on Smart Bitches and it was free. Or it was super cheap. That's always One good. The, yeah, and it was, uh, I can't remember what the third book is now. Um, or not, It's not the third in the series, but it's more recent than that. But anyway, I liked it well enough that I went back and I was going to read the first one and discovered I'd actually already bought it at some point. <laughs> Isn't that the best? <laughs> so I went looking for it and I went, okay, so I read the first one and then I immediately read the second one. And it's the um, Inverterry. I-N-V-E-R-T-A-R-Y series by Janet Elizabeth Henderson. They're all set in this little town in Scotland. Oh. There's apparently an extraordinary number of Americans and really, really quirky, weird people running around in the town, by the way. So, really? And, and, and I, it's weird because it's full of things I don't normally like. Um, I don't go out of my way to read contemporary, generally speaking, because I need there to be something more than... I find that you're going to run into the big Miz as the plot device more often than not in a contemporary because they need something for the drama. And if I find myself thinking, use your big people words, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> um, and they also have loads and loads of quirky people, which is, can be cute. It's but, fun when it's in a, in, when it's in an interesting place. Right. But at the same time, it can also be overdone. Yes. And the other thing that usually puts me off is um, I don't like intentionally funny because a lot of times what I find funny isn't necessarily what other people find funny and vice versa. This so, is very so, true. So funny books can be very hit or miss. Humor so is so things, subjective. Yeah. And these are things I normally avoid. And yet something is, oh, and a lot of times I find myself thinking, God, that hero is kind of a dick. 
(laughs) (laughs) And yet, I am reading, I'm halfway through the third book that I've read in this series. And I I will probably continue until I finish the series. Because, um, one, the secondary characters have great, interesting, sort of conflicted relationships. Like the one I'm reading now. His parents have been married for 35 years and their, their marriage is imploding. Whoa, that's a, that's kind of a new one. Yeah. You um, don't see a lot of that. Yeah. The hero, basically he wants a marriage like his parents, not realizing that his parents, their, their relationship has just been falling apart for years. Yikes. And what happened is, is that they retired and moved and she's very social and had to leave all of her friends and they moved to a new state where she doesn't know anybody. And he's very not social. And now he's like, I'm old and just want, you know, I don't want to go out and socialize and all this other stuff. And so she's tired of living by well, feeling like she lives all by herself with somebody who doesn't even acknowledge her and doesn't care about her anymore. And he is like, I'm still exactly the same. I don't know what's going on kind of deal. And so I'm almost reading along trying to see if these people can get their act together by the end of the book. And that's one thing I like about the series is that not only is there a main, um, a main relationship, but there are some really interesting secondary relationships going on. Compelling. I, I'm just, just almost as invested in as the main characters. So, uh, and like you said, you don't see that very often where the, they've been together for years and now it's kind of coming apart at the seams and can they manage to pull it back together when they both still really love each other. And, um, so that's interesting. And I really do. I like the series. I recommend it. Although, like I said, there are things that if these things bother you, humor is subjective. Yep. And the hero is kind of a dick. So... And and I've noticed this in each one about the time that, that they start getting all bossy and I'm the man and I told you. And, and basically sometimes it sometimes feels like the heroine is not not as quick as the hero or just sometimes. Well, like the first book I read, I'm surprised I went to the to the first book in the series because she was almost stupid. She They pulled it together. She pulls it together by the end of the, the book, though. So it works. Like I said, she takes elements that I normally don't like, and she makes it work. So what do I look for in a book? I look for good writing, something that's going to grip me into the story. Right. I want to believe that the happy ending is actually going to happen. Um, I don't know if you remember, but you and I had this discussion that there are some authors I broke up with because I could no longer believe their happy endings. These people were such a mess and so (laughs) terrible to each other. And that, that by the time you get to the end of the book, you're like, I don't believe that these people could possibly be together any length of time without trying to kill each other. So, you know, and, and I don't feel that way about these people. So I, I, I have to believe that that happy ending is possible. Yeah. That, that even if they have issues that they can deal with these issues, um, I have to have some sort of plausible plot line. Yeah. Um, and the other problem I, I have with books, not just with contemporaries in general, where a lot of times the big miz is, uh, is the drama, but I also have, a, um, and God, thank God it seems to have passed, the specifically supernatural ones, like the vampire ones or the, the werewolf ones. And we're not talking about like the urban fantasy where there's a mystery to solve and something going on. I'm talking about where, you know, the big uh, plot device is, she's his chosen one she just needs to realize it yeah that drives me crazy (laughs) (laughs) the faded mate one of my one of my favorite twists on it was vivian aaron she has a whole world of mixed shifters of different species and the wolf shifters you know wolves mate for life and and the wolf is like oh my god you're you're my mate we are meant to be and she's like yeah i'm a cat we don't do that you're cute but (laughs) That doesn't work. No, no. That doesn't work for me. No, we don't. We, we don't. Cats. <laughs> Let me introduce you to cats. Yeah, and we don't. We don't do that. But thanks anyway. And he's just like, oh crap, what do I do? I really liked that because it spins it on its head a little bit. Yeah, and when you have the sort of faded pair, like you're my mate, I can see color, my heartbeat, and 
you know, the, the, it started to rain and these are all the right signs. And I stubbed my toe and you're my, you're my faded pair. Yeah. Yeah, so like, I stubbed my toe, the moon turned red and, <laughs> yeah. and then a bird flew overhead. It, the crawled. milk went bad and the dog farted. And these are all the signs that my yeah, mate is here. You know and it's what? like, you just got to wait for her to show up and realize it. Ugh. Not to mention is that if this was any other thing where like the guy wasn't a werewolf or a vampire or whatever the hell your flavor of the month is, yep. and this was just some random dude coming up and saying this, this would be like restraining order and taser. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's not creepy at all. <laughs> that's not weird. No, not at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I need some believability in the, it, I don't care how, if you, if in your world there are vampires and werewolves and faded whatevers i still need to believe that that this is logically consistent within your world it works and everybody's going to still make it happen at the end by the end i don't i don't the whole you have to be with me because god's decided that's annoying that, yeah I mean, not to mention it takes away all the tension you've just take if your only tension is Oh, by the end of it, she'll get Stockholm syndrome and and love me. So, I mean, if that's your only if that's your only tension, that's not enough. That's not enough to propel a story for three hundred and something pages. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not interested in that sort of thing. So, I, I, what I'm interested in is a good story and make me believe that these people can actually work. That they're grown ups. Um, that they can use their words. Yeah. And, well, you, you unfortunately are like me and are a sort of demanding kind of reader. You want really good <laughs> character and really good character development and a really good intricate plot. It doesn't have to be intricate. It just has to be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's true. People running around acting like teenagers who can't talk to each other for 300 pages is not interesting. I don't want to hang out with those people in real life. Why would I want to bring them into my downtime? I actually have noticed that there's there's a couple different kinds of contemporary where you have the contemporary and there's a, a thing of deep conflict that is super weighing on the characters' minds, you know, like, you know, who's going to inherit this or can I move into, can I come back to my hometown and fix this thing and then leave without any complications? There's There's some major conflict that affects the characters constantly. And right. then there's the kind of contemporary where you just kind of wander through their lives with them for a little while. See, I don't like those movies either, though. I don't like slice of life movies, and and so I, I don't want to just like wander in and watch somebody's life for two hours and then wander away again. I want I want a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be the end. We all died, and that was it. But you know, at least an end for right now. You know, um, happily ever after. For now, and if things come up, we're mature enough we can deal with it. Yes, because we went through all of this stuff before, and we learned how to talk to each other, and we learned how to deal with each other, and we learned what drives each other crazy, or at least we're trying to learn those things. Mm-hmm. What was I going to say? Oh, deep conflict, and I had to. The library started getting demanding. <laughs> I had to get the book back. So um, there is. Oh my God, I can't believe I didn't write it down. Set in the 20s, the brother is a bootlegger. Jen Bennett, Bitter Spirits. Yeah, the current one that's out right now. Oh, baby, please get off of there before you knock my computer over. Come here. Is this a kitty? Yes, this is my baby. Oh, hey, baby. Baby's like, don't hold me. I needed to be on the computer. Don't you know anything? Well, you know what? She wants to climb on me unless I pick her up. And then she's she's like, oh, "Oh, no, no, no. Is it uh, Grave Phantoms? Yes. Maybe no, it's the third one. Uh oh, third that... one with the the um sister and the um Asian guy who is very um his yep. brother's this, right man. This is the third one. That's it. Grave phantoms. Well, I, right. I got halfway through and I started getting really anxious because you know the conflict here is it's the twenties. There are actually laws against the two of them being together, right? And yes, that's a really hard conflict to get over yeah how do you get around that i can't figure out how she's going to make that work and i had to give the stupid book back because uh they like i said they i took it with me on vacation and then i I expected to finish it and i ended up not finishing it because i got interested in this other series and uh i have to admit i got to the point where they slept together and they were together 
all night and I found myself feeling really anxious like oh my god her brother's gonna have a fit what's he gonna do what are they gonna do and if they find he could be arrested this is really bad and I'm just gonna go read something that doesn't make me as anxious and then the library insisted I give the book so, <laughs> so well, I need a book to finish it is that not silly I should have no just it's not silly, silly at all I can tell you though that <laughs> Carrie reviewed it and really liked it and gave it a B plus. And, you know, she acknowledged those same things that it's really hard to absolutely establish a happy ending when there are laws preventing them from marrying. But in her review, I won't give everything away. Well, I figure it works out in the end. There's got to be a way that it at least get to it. They, of. because they have so many people around them, they're okay they will yeah. be all right so yeah, you should go I, and I was, get the book and finish it because it's really good I, I have to check it out again. Well, I tried to check it out again they wouldn't let me extend it and and I was already late and then they sent me another email that said we could send this to a collection agency I'm like it's not that late but fine <laughs> <laughs> it's a week late please people <laughs> good god <laughs> so do you read only paper or do you read digital too um, actually, I've been reading this inventory series on digital. Um, I tend to read paper just simply because it's easier to get from the library because I can get a stack of them and then I don't have to, you can only, with the digital with the library, you, have, you can only get three and you have to finish them in 14 days. And if I get busy doing something else or decide to read something else or whatever, I'm not, and then it just disappears. Yep. Um, so since mo we went through a period where, um, I was making next to nothing. And we were, you know, things were broke and my book budget went, pfft. yep. So all my books came from the library and I just got out of the habit of um, buying anything. Mm -hmm. And so a, a lot of mine are paper simply because of that. Yep. Um, oh, there is a book I want to tell you about. Yes, please. Have you seen this one? Shattered Court. The Shattered Court. No, this, I have not heard of this. This is so great. This really? is the book I have read in forever that made me just go, oh, I love this book. I love, love, I want to marry this book. I want to have its babies and I want to read the next one and it's not out yet. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me but, about this book. Is this fantasy? It, it is, but it's, um, all right, it's set in a world where they're, uh, the, the noble women are usually born with magic. Um, especially, um, and apparently the more magic you have, like you don't come into it. You don't even find out if you have magic until you reach your majority, which in this case is 21, right? Your 21st birthday. Um, and, um, at that point you find out a, if you have magic at all and B how strong it is and what this particular society has been doing for a very long time is, um, binding these women, these noble women, if it turns out that they have magic, part of their magic gets bound to the church and part of their magic gets bound to whatever husband that gets picked out for them. Ugh. Okay. And, and so here lately, there haven't been these women that there hasn't been anybody really strong in a right. long time, but mostly like right now, the strongest person was the princess. And what happens is, is like the day before or two days before her 21st birthday, um, she and this bodyguard guy, uh, he literally is a bodyguard, but he's like the second son of an earl. So he's noble. Um, they're in town. Um, she doesn't realize that she's picking up her birthday present, but the princess, because she's a lady in waiting, was buying her a birthday present from this uh, magic user. And um, while they're in town, Basically, this terrorist act happens at the at the castle, and he does what he's supposed to do, which is keep the noble women safe. His job is to keep her safe. Safest thing he can do is they they jump jump into a portal and they basically port out of it because Whoa. yeah they because he he can't take her back to the castle because something blew up and he doesn't know if they're being invaded by the the other city i mean the other country that they consider their enemy right or what's going on and his job his one job is to keep her safe just like the secret service you basically bundle them on out of there right of course right so he basically sticks her in a portal and ports her out of there and they take this rather winding journey to get to his brother's um lands right like far away 
And in the meantime, what happens is, is she turns 21 along the way and um, touches a ley line. And Uh-oh. apparently that makes her like, well, apparently super horny. And it makes her pretty much irresistible because she touches him and whatever it is that's happening with her kind of passes to him. Uh-oh. And they end up accidentally bonding, which means that she can't bond with the church, which uh- means that oh. she has way more power than a whole lot of other people. It's this really interesting world building and um, like like who all died and what that means, you know, in the terrorist act and what that means and who actually considered the terrorist act and who they suspect committed the terrorist act. And um, and what does you know, it mean that she has all this power? Right. Because now the crown kind of consider the crown and the, the uh, church kind of consider her a threat because she's not all that. She's got all that power. And it's not bound to anybody. Wow. Uh, yeah, and she's exhibiting powers that women aren't supposed to have because when she accidentally right. bonded with him, she got some of his magic that only men are supposed to be allowed to use. Come to find out, apparently it wasn't because that's just how it is, but because that's what society had been doing is separating them out. And, you know, because they don't – and that's the other thing. It's like how um, we – spent a really long time not teaching women anything about sex whatsoever yeah so by the time that they would be exposed to sex they'd have absolutely no idea she was only taught like the most vaguest things about magic because until you actually have magic it's unseemly to know about it right of course and so she doesn't know what she's supposed to be able to do and what she's not supposed to be able to do until she does stuff that she's not supposed to be able to do. And then everyone, <laughs> then she's attracted uh, attention attention to herself. Yes. Yeah. So there's this world building going on and their relationship starts out with, he's just basically trying to keep her safe. And in the process, because of things, they end up growing a lot closer so that by the end of the book, it's more than that. They're actually in a relationship together and the things, things that he does to keep her safe, he ends up like, it, it's an amazing book. So it's so good. I can't wait to read the next one and, and see what all is going to happen because like between the world building, I, I've not seen magic dealt with this way. It's, cool. it's really kind of interesting um, uh, view, like an alternate view of say Renaissance slash just beyond the Renaissance. Not quite. Um, yeah. Not quite the, you know, modern age. Right. Of course. So there's like so. And it's funny because when they actually, when you're in another country, they're actually like steam powered stuff. But in their country, it's closer to the dark ages that the church is kind of imposing on everybody. Right. They don't even realize it because they're so isolated. It's like a, it's like an alternate version of a magical version of England, but it's not that obvious. They don't call it England. They call it Albion or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she actually uses um, a lot of um, historical research for like the names of places and things like that. That's cool. So it's real. I love it. Yeah, I love this book. It's M.J. Scott. I think I've met her. She's Australian. Yeah, it's M.J. Scott, The Shattered Court. Cool. And, yeah, I recommend this. It's so, so good. That sounds really awesome. You have any other questions? I do. But if you have questions for me, I'm happy to take them. Well, actually, um, so I listen to um, NPR at work because it works for me. Yeah, of I course. Can, I can listen to podcasts and little bits of things, and then if I have to pause it, it's, I hate pausing music in the middle and trying to keep going back and forth. Right, of But course. anyway, there's, there's a guy named Saeed Jones who apparently is the literary critic for BuzzFeed of all places, and he was on NPR uh-huh. talking about his uh, summer reading list. Mm-hmm. And I'm not interested in most critics' summer reading list or winter reading list or whatever because, I, like I said, I don't do literary. I did literary when I was a kid, which is weird. Um, right. But, no. um, but anyway, so he said, and I actually listened to it like three, four times to get it down perfect. He says, people bring a lot of guilt to books, which I believe. And they often feel embarrassed over not being familiar with some classic or uh, that they're late on some book that everyone is talking about at the moment. I really mm-hmm. believe that books come to you when – um, when you and the book are ready to be together. So sometimes you have to step away. That's the great thing about books. You're always on time. I completely agree. Well, the one part I thought is, is that people do bring a lot of guilt to books. Like Absolutely. what we read, what we don't read. I mean, I'm pretty open about the fact that I don't read the classics. Yeah. I don't 
literature, literature. Um, I don't like the fact that people try to shame me into it by telling me that what I read is wrong and that I should be reading that because screw that. Yep. Um, and that's a great thing about being in your forties. You mm-hmm. just, the older you get, the fewer shits you give. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is my field of flux. It lies fallow at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Have no fuck left to give. Yeah. But yes, uh, yeah, I, I find myself a lot more willing to say, yeah, I don't like that and I'm not going to read that. You know what else? I don't like jazz and I only like classical music in context. So, which is funny because I have an art history degree. Yep. And I spent a whole lot of time with people who made it very, very clear what I should like and shouldn't like because art history was filled with people who were full of opinions of what you should read and what you shouldn't read and what kind of music is good. And you should have seen the, the appalled look on my fellow grad student's face when I said, I don't like jazz. I prefer blues. Thanks. <gasps> Sacrilege. I know. Apparently, if I was truly sophisticated, I would actually prefer jazz. But, um, yeah, so I, I gave up. i am always been pretty honest about the fact that I don't like literature and all that other stuff. But I do believe that people bring a lot of guilt to books, and especially women. We're constantly being made to feel guilty about what we like. And that was one thing I did like about Magic Mike, which I saw over the weekend, by the way. Oh, is- Magic Mike XXL? Yes. Did you like it? It was, I, you know, it's one of those, it wasn't a good movie, but it was a very fun movie. Yes, I know exactly horrible. what you mean. And there are parts of it that are important to articulate, which is that, that um, you know, we, ask women what they want and then give it to them. It makes us happy. Yeah. <laughs> because so few people do. Um, and how, uh, I, I love the fact that uh, they Women of all sizes and all races were shown as participating in this activity of, of enjoying watching someone aesthetically pleasing dance in front of them, and it wasn't played as a joke. Yep. And that their desire isn't something to be laughed at. Right. And right. that everyone's having fun, too. Right. And, you know, older women, heavier women, black women, white women – there was never any joke made about the fact that those women were there enjoying the entertainment. And I appreciate that in a movie. I really do. <laughs> because oftentimes we are made to feel guilty about what we like to read, what we like to do, what we like to talk about, as if we're somehow not doing it right. We're also made to feel guilty about choosing ourselves over something or someone else. Yeah. Like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm And, um, you know, we're supposed to put our needs and wants last or farther than last. If there's anything more past last. Yeah. Yeah. Stop having needs and wants. What's wrong with you? Yep. You're supposed to sort of sublimate everything into taking care of your children and your parents and your spouse and the home and everything. And, and you're not supposed to have desires and you're not supposed to have things that you want purely for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think that that comes out in books. You've made the point more than once that basically if it's written by women for women, it must somehow automatically be trash. Seems to be the opinion of a whole lot of people who never bothered to pick up one. It's true. Uh, yeah. and and Or they act as if we've never uh, – it's the same experience I get with people who try to proselytize to me. If I'm not going to church, it's because somehow I've somehow managed to miss – Christianity and the Bible all these years. <laughs> you just explain it to me, I will be edified and suddenly see the light. And it's funny because you get the same sort of proselytizing about what kind of books you should should and shouldn't be reading, what yep. kind of what kind of pop culture you should and shouldn't be consuming, and and uh, you get it from both ends. You get it from the people who think you shouldn't be watching Doctor Who because it's a kids show, and the people the guys who think that women can't really consume pop culture unless there's a cute guy. And that's the only reason why you're there. Cause you're not really a geek. Of you course. know, it's like, it's like, uh, it's nice to just be in a space where that isn't an issue. It's uh, true. So true. And, and I find that, uh, like I said, I, I really liked what he had to say about that because sometimes you have to step away cause you're never late. You're always on time for whatever book you're happen to be reading. I also think I, – I completely agree. I also think that when when people worry about whether or not someone should or should not be reading a book, 
Mm-hmm. You know, the, I, I often think that the parts that someone doesn't get, they're just going to fly over that person's head. Yeah. You know, don't don't worry so much about it. Yeah. They'll get what they need to get out of it. And if they don't understand something, well, you know, we can look it up. <laughs> exactly. We have this magical Internet. I completely agree with, with that idea, though, that you you encounter books when you are ready for them. Yeah. And that there's well, no be- timeline that you have to obey to read certain books. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I know that there are people that, you know, every now and then it's funny how you see it on Facebook and right oh, there. Oh, Facebook. Status updates about how much they love their spouse. I've, I've already decided that if you're announcing how much you love your spouse once or twice a day, <laughs> probably Thumbs issues. Up. Yeah. Um, just as much as if you're announcing the great books you've read, how many great classics you've read. Have you, do you remember seeing that going around on Facebook there for a while where you were supposed to go and check, like check off all the number of books. And then like out of a hundred books, I read 30 of these or 80 of these. Or not, no, no, no. Of yeah. Well, I, I, I saw that I went and clicked on the link and a lot of them are books that, it's not like they've somehow passed me by. I don't want to read them. I don't like Charles Dickens. Um, I don't necessarily. And, and the the science fiction was all like Asimov and hardcore you know, science fiction as opposed to science fantasy because mm-hmm. that's lesser than. And, and like, who decided that these are the great books? <laughs> Seriously. And, and not to mention, I've never been good with reading something just because someone told me that I have to. Oh, yeah, me either. You should read this. There's a lot of things I should do. I have no interest. No interest at all. I I I don't exactly look like a rebel, but would you like to know how many required books I read in school? Oh, please like, do tell. One? <laughs> nice you know job. Why? No, I take that back. No, I didn't even do that one. No, I did read Silas Marner. All right, two. <laughs> oh, two, two required books. I'm kind of well, impressed. You know, that's the thing is, is that's because they teach the daggone book. And all you got to do is pay attention and take notes. You can write. I wrote more papers than got A's on books. I I like read a chapter, maybe two, and then took good notes. Because you can figure out what the teacher wants you to say, and then you just give it back to them. It was always easy. So, uh, but yeah. So no, I read um, To Kill a Mockingbird, and nice. I finished it in two days. And uh, believe it or not, I actually really liked Silas Marner of all books. You wouldn't think I would, but I did. I liked that one. Cool. Uh, oh, and Turn of the Screw. No, I take that back. I didn't finish that one either. <laughs> well, the, have you read Turn of the Screw? I cannot remember if I have, to be honest with you. It's the one about the two little kids and the governess, and she thinks that the, they're being haunted. The kids are being possessed by their former governess, and oh. they made a movie out of it. Yes, and I uh, watched the movie when I was way too young to see that movie. It freaked me out. And maybe this time is Jenny Cruzy's version of the Turn of the Screw. Okay. Well, the reason why I didn't finish Turn of the Screw is because he never met a sentence that he couldn't, you know, couldn't turn into a page. I mean, I literally on one page, we might have three sentences. It's like, take a breath, man. So that yep. period. Periods are free. You don't have to dull them out. There's no, there's no period famine. <laughs> the, um, the story itself was interesting, but his writing style drove me crazy. But no, being told and see uh, the first one that I re- first time I realized I didn't have to read a book all the way through. Um, Red Badge of Courage, because I liked the story, but I hated the fight scenes. And that's a lot of the book. Yeah, but my dad told me that I could skip through the battle scenes and just read the story part. And, and you'd be I, all right. Yeah, he was right. <laughs> <laughs> Good man. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I was I was really bad about not reading those books because the the second you tell me that I have to read it, I have absolutely no desire to read that. I, there's a million other things I'd rather be reading. Um, you know, I I could finish. Uh, I did finish um, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in a day and a half, or The Princess Bride. You know, and I've got. You know, I've got Shakespeare here and Princess Bride here. So yeah. I don't blame you. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not good about being told what I should read. And uh 
Yeah. So what other questions do you have? Well, actually, my last question is that if you have any last recommendations for people. Uh, Shattered Court. Read it, read it, read it. Everybody should read this book. Got uh, it. You know, it really it's hard to say because it really depends on what you like. And everybody has, you know, the standard recommendations of Bet Me and, like I said, Agnes and the Hitman or whatever, Silent in the Grave. But if, you know, if you like... I, I, can't think of I can't think of anything that isn't just a million people already reading it that I stumbled onto, other than the two I told you about the Invertary series by Janet Elizabeth Henderson. Mm-hmm. It works. It really works. I I can't even explain to you why exactly it works when but it, it has totally so many, hits you the right way. Yeah, there's so many elements that taken separately I would hate, but somehow she mixes it all together in a very sort of satisfying stew. And I love the fact that the secondary characters are are interesting and detailed enough that I am nearly as invested, like I said, in their relationship as I am in the main relationship. Yep. Um, and the the Shattered Court that I actually renewed twice just so I could – and nobody else, obviously, is checking it out. And um, the, um, the one – Jen – the Jen – why can't I think of the Jen one? Bennett. Yeah, the Jim Bennett one. The it's an amazing book, and I actually didn't. I loved the first one, didn't care for the second one all that much. I didn't even finish it. Third one, I loved it, it and it was just making me anxious because I didn't know if the, if the happy ending will actually work. But I love these two people, and I want them to be together and be happy, uh, even though she's kind of flighty and and a little selfish and shallow and young, and and he's you know, uh, kind of ambitious and kind of they're both in a hard place though i mean i don't know how they're going to make it work i love the two of them together they bring out the best in each other and that's what you want for a couple in a book right so (laughs) it's true yeah i mean seriously you want you want them to be kind of flawed but when they're together they're better human beings totally true totally true absolutely because you don't want you don't want to marry sue i don't want to marty stew i don't i don't want you know the strangely perfect at everything you know dude or girl for no them. Totally. i want them i want them to be kind of not perfect human beings that when they're together they're the best version of each other i and they, completely and they agree realize it by the end of the book that oh makes yes me... <laughs> that when part I'm is with important you i not only love you i like me better is a good is a good thing to shoot for whether you're reading a book or it's in real life And that is all for this week's podcast. Thank you to Tina for hanging out and chatting with me. This podcast was brought to you by Intermix, publisher of Here Comes Trouble, Anna J. Stewart's captivating new romance, starring the troublesome Tremaine family, available for download on August 18th. Our podcast transcript is sponsored by Free Tutorial, a free and global meeting place for readers and writers from all over the planet. They invite you to download and check out some of your favorite public domain books and articles for free and check out their long short story contest as well. The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. This is the Pete Bog Fairies. This is their new album, Black House. It's awesome. This track is called Spiders. I'm totally in favor of these spiders. And I know a lot of you are actually afraid of spiders. I happen to think they're the best because they eat the insects that bite me and give me hives. So I am all for spiders. But I totally understand if they creep you out. And if you would like to tell me how wrong it is that I like spiders, or you would like to suggest a podcast topic, or you have an idea or a question, you can email us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. We love your email because you're awesome. And on behalf of Tina and Jane and myself, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a great weekend.